to Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. And welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We're your host, Tim and Julie Harris. We have a lot of really great things to share with all of you today. We're going to pick up where we left off yesterday. We are talking about our version of motivation. By what I mean by our version, I mean the BS-free, to-the-point, practical, tactical way you can keep yourself motivated. And this is not just a temporary motivation like a hit of coffee. This is a type of motivation that makes it so you have a really miraculous life. And you think I'm overselling it? I'm not. Listen to yesterday's podcast and listen to today's podcast. And what I want all of you guys to realize, and I know a lot of you are skeptics. You sort of think that being skeptical is a noble way of approaching life. Skepticism has its place. But if you're not where you want to be in your life, if you're not doing the things you want to be doing, maybe it's because your skepticism has essentially uh, grown into something that's becoming a, uh, I would say, a laziness, really. Sometimes we'll use those, we'll use being a skeptic as an excuse to be lazy. We'll say, well, you know, I'm not going to try that because, or I'm not going to do that because. And, and so what happens then is you don't make any steps forward. And so when you listen to Julie and I talk about the things that we know work to motivate people and you hear what we say and your skeptic mind steps in and says, well, that isn't what I heard. I heard it's about the secret. I heard it's about dream boards. I heard it's about all this other stuff. Guys, here's the bottom line. Those things have a place, I suppose, if you want them to in your life, but for the most part, what we're going to tell you, what we told you yesterday, is the truth, is the boiled down truth about what it's going to take to make it so you're successful every single day. Um, so, Julie, welcome to today's podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here, and I have a quick shout-out before we deep dive back into this topic that's so important for them to not just digest and get, but do something about it. So I'm ready for that little shout-out if you are. Go for it, of course. All right, perfect. So this is from our private Facebook group. And, you know, we, we refer to this a lot. This is for our premier coaching members. This is their family. This is kind of their circle and their center of influence. There's lots of referrals that happen here. And really, it's a great support group, evident by Jeanette Haas and her posting. She posts, thank you, Tim and Julie, for the shirt. Rule number 13 is totally me and my issue. So rule number 13 is don't keep circling the runway. But this is kind of funny, and it's a super cute and professional picture that she posted. She said, number 13 has also been my lucky number for me in the past, and my boyfriend being a pilot makes it kind of amusing, hence the pilot's headset. So she doesn't have a normal realtor headset on. She's got the pilot, you know, the big um, earphones so you can talk to each other in the microphone. So what's number 13? Don't keep circling the runway. So that resonated with her, and thanks for posting. I also see you've got your whiteboards worked out right behind you. You've got your office sorted out. Everything looks really good. So looks like you're in a productive place wearing your T-shirt. So remember, the T-shirt shop is open. All you have to do is use, I think, Tim, does Premier still work it's in Harris, their it's, uh, code? It's, it's, it's Harris Rules Store, harrisrulesstore.com. And certainly for all of our Premier members, but also for all of our listeners, I think for the rest of this month, we're basically going to be giving away, uh, yeah, all of you guys have basically a $25 store credit. Uh, but here's the deal. You go to Harris Rules store, you grab your T-shirt, your coffee mug, whatever you want to get with your ha favorite Harris Rules saying. And the Harris Rules 
are the uh, backbone for the book that's going to be coming out in the next 60 days. And then the only thing we ask in exchange for that is that you do as she did and take a picture of yourself and either send it to us or post it on the private Facebook page. So just go to harrisrulesstore.com and use Premier on the, in the checkout, and that will uh, get you a $25 store credit, one per uh, user, and then you guys can then be rocking your Harris Rules swag. And again, if you, even if it's just a coffee mug, please send us a picture. We're going to use these images along with your information, with your permission, of course, on the marketing for the book. So this will give you guys national exposure um, because you'll be, you know, as a lot of others have already done, you'll be rocking your Harris Rules shirt with your dry erase boards in the background <laughs> listening to the podcast. Lots of listings on your dry erase boards, making lots of money, and uh, that will generate more business for yourself. So, Julie, let's pick up where we left off yesterday. Before we jump in, I want to I want to point out something that I think is a kind of a, an evasive thought for a lot of folks. Guys, write this down. Please never forget this. Your highest and truest purpose on this planet is being of service to other people. Okay, it's not to find your passion. It's not to pursue life balance. It's not to find your big why. It's not to form a team. Your highest and truest purpose on this planet is to, and I know some of you right now, based on what I just said, are pissed off that I said all those things, but it's true. Those of you who have been pursuing your passion or finding your big why, chances are what you're discovering is a lot of frustration. Why? Because your big why changes all the time. Because your passion is a fleeting ego-based emotion. Really, if you want the true benefit of being a professional, if you want to achieve all the things in your life that have maybe been evading you, it comes on the other side of these two thoughts. Regular listeners, I know you already know what I'm going to say. (laughs) So say it out loud with me. Number one, The highest and truest purpose of all of us on this planet is being of service to other people. That's where we get our most inner strength. That's where we achieve the most things in life. That's where the ego cannot coexist. When you're trying to be uh, focused on other people and helping other people improve their lot in life, you literally are going to be operating on a higher, I'll use a hippie term, but a higher wavelength than someone who's trying to find their passion. Finding your passion is all about you. Finding your passion and doing all these other ego-based thoughts and having this ego-based mindset to your uh, business is going to make you broke. It is going to absolutely positively cause you to uh, not achieve your goals in life. But if you're focused on being of service to other people, what you're going to find is that energy – that mindset will attract people to you because they're going to tell uh, that you're sincerely trying to be of service to them, which leads us to the second part of this, is once you've locked into the idea that your highest and truest purpose in this plan is to be of service to other people, the secondary thought is you have to accept the fact that you're going to have to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. You're going to have to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. And what does that mean? That means a lot of times you're going to have to do things that suck. Fact. You know, when you prospect, and and maybe in in our coaching career, I've run into one person that liked prospecting. Everybody else sort of loathed it. But they locked themselves into the mindset of being of service, and they locked themselves into doing what they didn't want to do, and they didn't want to do it at the highest level, and the money followed. It always does. It always will. It's called, you know, basically it's called real work. This is the essence of what we're all about as coaches, as professionals. This is the reason the early thousands of agents are attracted to us, because we're not going to lie to you. We're not going to tell you there's an easy button. We're not going to tell you to buy leads. We're not going to tell you to put up a bunch of lander pages. We're not going to tell you to do all the other crap that everyone else is telling you to do because, look, I know people don't like using real words, but I'm going to use them. All those things, they just most of them, 99% of them, they really have no place in most of your businesses. 
at least not as the primary source of generating business. Your primary source of generating business will always come from doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. That could be prospecting. That could be uh, learning a new script. That could be learning uh, to master your listing presentation or your buyer's presentation. That could be doing all the things that are necessary. But here's again, stay with me on this one, guys. If you know, if you live by, if you absolutely live and breathe the idea that you're here to be of service to other people, you're going to naturally want to get better at your skill set. You're going to want to improve yourself because you know, for example, we talked about DISC last week, you know that in order for you to be able to serve and be of service to the most people, you need to learn how uh, to uh, master at least the concept of DISC so you can have the versatility to appeal to more people. You see what I'm saying? So if your real true mission is to be of service to other people, you're going to embrace anything and everything that helps you improve your ability to be of service to other people because that is your calling in life. Guys, that makes things simple when you think like that. And, and here's the, the third little, this is another Harris rule, but this all ties together. When you embrace the idea that you're here to be of service to other people, when you know it's about doing what you don't want to do, then what happens is the money always, it will almost always follow because you will be doing more transactions. People will want to do business with you. You'll have a different aura about you, another hippie term, but bear with me. You guys know what it means. Than everyone else who's focused on their big why or looking for their passion. So you've migrated from basically being like everybody else who's focused on themselves, ego, to focusing on other people, which is contribution. That is the higher plane to be operating on. That's where you're going to find everything you've been looking for. And then what will happen is you'll start making money, and you know, you'll start realizing that what I just said was very true, and then you're going to start basically being a beacon or an example for other people because they're going to want to know how you did it, and you're going to tell them, look, I embrace these two concepts, and then what happens? One person by a person by a person by a person, our society shifts, and we get back to the things that really matter as far as being of service to other people. You guys get it? There's this ego thing that's crept in, crept in in the 70s, crept in the 80s, crept in the 90s, and it's starting to, it's still holding on with its fingertips, but you can, you can start feeling it because you guys are interested in this podcast. You're interested in reading books. You're interested in things that are basically about this different way of existing or coexisting with other people, and that is what I'm sharing with you. I'm giving you guys what is the window into the future for people who are going to be successful. Don't question it. Don't be a skeptic about it. Embrace it. Try it on for a month or two or a year or 10 years or the rest of your life, and you'll see what I'm saying is true. So, look, guys, we're talking about mindset and motivation. And even though I wasn't intentionally trying to motivate you, I'm guessing that some of you, based on what I just told you, are feeling a little bit more motivated because of the fact that we've just started to clear the clouds and clear the air, and now you have a better idea of maybe what you need to be doing in order to basically accomplish what you want to accomplish in life. So we're going to take a real quick break, and then when we come back, Julie's going to pick up where she left off yesterday, so get ready to take great notes. Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris is brought to you in part by Firepoint. Growing a real estate business is all about knowing your numbers. Long-term success in real estate is knowing how to capitalize on those numbers daily. As the head of your team, whether it's one, 100, or even 1,000 people, Firepoint is the all-in-one business solution for you. Created by agents for agents, Firepoint is more than just another CRM. Firepoint offers a complete picture of your business. From lead generation to team management and accountability and the best return on investment reports in the industry, 
FirePoint is the solution that is focused on what matters, showing you the most profitable path to more closed transactions. Schedule a free demo at FirePoint.net. All right, Julie, we're back. Yes, all right, perfect. So yesterday we started to get really clear on the numbers. And I think you would agree that agents who don't know their numbers are usually the same crowd that doesn't have any goals and generally doesn't have any focus. So that's why we're taking this time to say, hey, you know what? It's time to come clean. What are the numbers that you really need, not just to get by in real estate? I'm pretty sure that nobody got their real estate license to just get by because, you know, you could do that with a normal job, which you probably were leaving to get into real estate. So we're learning your numbers, and we're on to part three where you're writing down after you figured out, you know, exactly how many deals, we did that yesterday, how many deals it's going to take for you to create the life of your dreams. We now want to figure out how we're going to get there. So part three is this. Write down, I am currently averaging X number of deals per month. And this does or does not cover my personal, business, savings, taxes, and fun. Remember, those are the five categories that go into what you are supposed to be earning in real estate, what is real estate supposed to provide for you? Well, you came up with a number yesterday that allows you to cover or exceed your personal business savings, taxes, and fund money. And you're writing down today you are currently averaging X number of deals and that this is doing the trick for you or not. Then the next question is, I am or am not satisfied with continuing to earn at this level. And for those of you who are, and we have many coaching clients where their goal is to continue to do what they're doing, but work on their time management, get their time back, devote more of their efforts back to their passion that they're now funding with their profit. There's a thought for you. So for the rest of you who are not quite there yet, here's the secret. If you keep doing what you've been doing, you'll keep producing what you've been producing. Or you'll slide backward as other agents who have upgraded their skills education, mindset, and goal setting pass you by. So I wrote down, this is part of the book, don't let this happen to you. And then, Tim, we're going to move on to thinking about and getting them to think about, are they motivated by fear or by incentive? This is a bit of the carrot or the stick discussion, if you're ready for that. Just warning let me, you what's um, Actually, and Julie, right, you should uh, make sure that this is in the book, too. So, guys, there's been a lot of the motivation of this carrot of the stick. There's been sort of that's the institutional belief on how people are motivated. But there's actually a spin on that, which is based on really modern research. Uh, we've talked about this in the podcast before, and it's very fascinating. And I'll just – so I had a coaching client uh, named um, – what was his name, Julie? I told this story before. I don't remember his name all of a sudden. It doesn't matter. We'll call him Bob. No, okay. sorry. Right. So it, it was a it was an artist's name, Monet. Ah, there it is. His name ah, was Monet. Yeah, his, Monet. That was his real name. Uh, yeah. Okay. So so Monet. Here's here's Monet. So Monet. This was before what I'm telling you happened before we started coaching. So Monet was a really fat guy. I mean, fat, fat. Like I didn't see pictures of him. I didn't know him when he was fat, but he told me he was like, you know, 200 pounds overweight, and he's not a big guy. So this was a really fat dude. And he'd been that way for a long period of time. He just essentially developed a lifestyle that was reinforcing him, him being huge. Uh, he'd go to the doctor, of course, and the doctor would say, Monet, lose the weight. You're really going to develop some problems. There's a lot of you know negative ramifications of being as fat as you are. And he ignored him. He ignored him. So Monet you know, went to the doctor one time, and the doctor said, well, Monet, I've been warning you for years that if you didn't lose weight, you developed diabetes. Guess what? You've developed type 2 diabetes, and now it looks like you're not. You're having circulation problems in your toes, and um, I want you to schedule yourself in for an operation because we need to amputate probably your entire foot, 
really happened to this guy? Thanks. So what did Monet do? Miraculously, he basically found the energy and the strength to do something he never had the energy and strength to do before, and he lost the weight. That's what Monet did. He lost all the weight, and he did it in such a fashion and so quick. This is a true story, guys. The guy was a, on the cover of a men's fitness magazine, right? He not only lost the weight, but he got in ripped shape. And he did that. Now, why did he do that? Did the doctor say, hey, if you, don't, if you lose the weight, I'll give you a carrot? No. Did he say, I'll give you a stick? Well, kind of. But what really motivated Monet was neither. It was losing something that he already had. It was the perception that he was going to lose something which was real intangible, his foot. That is what the ultimate motivation is for all of us. It's, it's, motiv- it's being motivated by losing something that we already have. So when you're trying to think about why you've never been motivated in the past by moving towards a goal, why you've never really been motivated for a long period of time by moving away from something that causes you pain, a lot of you guys will be motivated to you know, pay off the IRS. You'll be motivated to solve a temporary problem, and you'll move heaven and earth. But after that, you're not motivated anymore. Okay, the reason is is because that is only temporary motivation. So you guys need to realize that you will uh, have an opportunity to move the game for yourself when you realize that your motivation, your real motivation, is going to come from is going to come ultimately from um, keeping something that you already have. So you guys getting the point here? You guys seeing the difference? So it's not the carrot because the carrot works temporarily. It's not the stick because the stick works temporarily. It's the realization that you're going to lose something that you already have. Sometimes you have to mentally game yourself to get that level of motivation, you know, because here's the truth. The word complacency is something that's, you know, used all the time, but I don't even think that word's real. I literally think it's a fake word because the word complacency implies that there is a state that you can be where there is no change that's happening. And the truth is there's always change happening. There's change happening within your body. There's change happening within your mind. There's change happening with your environment. As you guys are standing here, sitting here, driving, (laughs) walking, running, some of you, listening to us, there's change happening all the way around you. Even though you want to get to a place where you're comfortable, and you might not say it this way, but you just want to be complacent where everything's simple, you're lying to yourself because it doesn't exist. When you try to get to some place where you're comfortable and you can quote unquote be a complacent, you will lose what you have. If you stop reinforcing your thoughts and your training and your education and your mindset, you'll lose it. If you stop reinforcing your relationships, you'll lose it. If you stop reinforcing your stances, you'll lose it. If you stop re- taking care of your house, you'll lose it. You guys get the point? So complacency, even though it's a word that people use a lot, it's a bullshit word because you can't really be complacent. It's a it's like a word that we created in hopes that someday we could be. Even when you're dead, you can't be complacent. Ooh, kind of gross to think about. But true. So guys, get the get it into your head that the carrot and the stick form of motivation doesn't really work long term. Work short term, not long term. The way to really wrap your mind around what's going to keep you motivated long term is the mindset of being of service, the embracing of the doing what you don't want to do, and then the realization that if you don't do these things, essentially you're going to lose everything you have. That's when people get motivated. Does that make sense, Julie? Yeah, it does. And, you know, in our Harris Rules book, we talk about really understanding this, right, the loss aspect. Why do you think that you're so good at paying your cell phone bill? Because they're pretty quick to shut you down if you miss that, right? You're, you know, it used to be, right, that that worked on houses. We used to use that as the example to the recession. And so now <laughs> we use a different example. People stop making more. their payments and they still live in yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's out. 
But you get the point, though, is that that's called external accountability. Something bad's going to happen if you don't do something, like pay your cell phone bill. If you don't go to the grocery store, you're going to be hungry. If you don't put gas in your car, you're not going to go anywhere. Those things are so much easier to be accountable to because the negative factor is so much more present. I think part of the issue with real estate is that if you don't do something today, your lead follow-up, prospecting, marketing, all the core things that you have to do to drive your business, well, you don't really feel the effects of that immediately. It might be 30 days from now. It might be 60 days from now. So there's this built-in, I think, really kind of annoying delay where you're not punished right away. If you were, <laughs> every agent would be motivated, evident by the fact that when some of you get behind, Tim, to your point, when some of them get behind with, say, the IRS, all of a sudden you find your motivation, oddly enough. Okay? Julie, how, so, many, coaching clients, yeah. how many coaching clients have you personally had in all the literally over, I don't know, tens of thousands, over 100,000, you probably are close to 200,000 individual 30-minute coaching calls at this point. Wait, let's not even think about it. It's depressing, actually. I mean, if you guys <laughs> feel sorry yourselves, think about Julie and I. Think how much time we have to spend on the phone talking to all you people. That's a Not joke, but sort of. <laughs> well, but Julie, seriously, when you think about how many people had talk about when you ask them the question, when is the time they are the most motivated? And they almost always bring up an example where there was some extreme external stress that was going to yeah. change their their situation, like the IRS or health or whatever. That's always when people talk about when they're most motivated. And then what happens is once that problem is resolved, then they go back to the normal, complacent, lazy style of life. And then they, what happens, guys, is you manifest another damn problem. You know, it doesn't take long, but all of a sudden some other little monster comes over the bend, and now you're having to do battle again. Whereas if you'd been doing the things continuously, you would have built your financial reserves. You would have stayed healthy. You would have kept your relationships in good order. Guys, it's not difficult to have a really fantastic life. It just isn't. It's when we basically believe in easy button things. It's when we uh, look for shortcuts. Shortcuts to anything in life are just a straight up lie. And when you have these shortcut salespeople calling you, offering to sell you leads, you need to pick up the phone and say, hell no, and hang up the phone. And if we do that enough, maybe these tech companies will realize that we're not buying leads anymore and they'll have to come up with something that actually helps our businesses. All right, good. So what's the next point, Jules? Okay, so after you have figured out some of this math, and really drill down on what you actually have to earn, not just to pay your cell phone bill, but to have the life of your dreams, you're going to conclude with a reminder to yourself. Why would you get into real estate? Freedom. Freedom in this respect does have a number attached to it. It's your new monthly commitment. You must think of it in the same way you did your old core monthly overhead, you know, the getting by number, and make the mental leap to embrace the new reality you will implement things necessary to get to the next level. And in fact, your subconscious mind is already at work putting all this together. I can guarantee you that in the next 20 minutes, you're going to write down two or three leads that you had previously forgotten. I know this because I hear it on coaching calls when we have this discussion. Oh, yeah, I could follow up on that one. And gosh, I wonder what happened to that guy that I talked to two weeks ago. Because you have a new higher focus and a changed mindset, you come up with ways to actually accomplish it. You'll find that your ability to, as Tim, you say, do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level comes to you more easily and more frequently, oddly enough, when you actually know what the number is, how much you actually have to earn to move the needle forward, not to just get by. So again, I refer back to the treasure map where you did goal setting in five areas of life and you added all of this up. 
Well, you've got to take that number as seriously as you did your cell phone bill, your mortgage or your rent payment, your car payment, the things that you have a that would give you a serious negative effect if you didn't pay them. You've got to take what you want to do as seriously as what you have to do. And I want to hover on that point, Tim. It's the difference mm-hmm. between doing what it takes to just kind of survive. And really, if we're honest, that's the first goal in real estate for most people is to either replace their old job or to earn enough that they're at least paying their bills. But too many agents stagnate there and don't get serious about and go back to the thought of freedom while you got your license in the first place. And this is the very leap that it takes. You have to take as seriously what you want to do, what your goals are, as you your have-to numbers, right? So if I sent you a bill for your savings account, you'd probably take it more seriously and actually send off a check. But because you have to be accountable yourself, sometimes. So you've got to kind of cross that bridge. And Tim, I remember when you and I figured this out after, you know, learning the lesson of, hey, taxes don't pay themselves and you're not ever going to save anything unless you peel money off the top and pay yourself first. That was a different number than just writing all those checks and paying our business and personal expenses. And it was roughly three times what we were getting by on if we're being honest. And, well, and having do, you and I had, having done this exercise a lot, I think that's pretty consistent. Go ahead. You, you and I had a very interesting conversation. Julie and I talk all the time about why more people – why people in general have a negative – and it's not um, – a lot of times it's not like an overt negativity, but there's this sort of passive negativity about wealth accumulation, about rich people. You know, we talk about all these hard topics on this podcast – but we talked about the fact that really the idea that rich is evil is still very pervasive in our society. And it's reinforced in very subversive ways that you wouldn't necessarily recognize unless your brain was tuned into listening to them. Not don't, you don't just hear them from your friends and whatnot, but you hear it in the news. The news, for the most part, is absolute garbage. You guys completely and totally go media-free. But if you haven't figured that out, you will find yourself basically having the re, constantly reinforcing the idea that wealth accumulating and rich people are bad. You're going to find that to be very, very common uh, throughout virtually everything you're going to be exposed to in major media. And that's going to be in books. That's going to be in other things. Remember, rich people are evil. Rich people take from other people. Rich people, in order for them to have what they had, they had to somehow scam somebody else. You know, rich people are bankers that figured out how to do this. Rich people, this, that, the other, all that bullshit. If that together, all those things accumulate to not just adversely affect your mindset about wealth accumulation, but the mindset about everyone else you know. So what's going to happen is you're going to think to yourself, when you want to go and start basically buying a rental property, improve your lot in life, you want to change some aspect of yourself financially, there is almost nothing around you, none of your friends, none of your family members, no environment you'll ever find yourselves in that will reinforce the idea of you actually doing that. Isn't that interesting? Don't you think it's interesting? Now, here's where Julie and I go with these thoughts. Why is that true? Why is there such a, essentially a pervasive societal belief? It doesn't exist for everybody, guys, but you have to admit, for the vast majority of Americans, this is a belief. Why is it that that still exists in this country? Who is it that benefits from people believing that? Why is it that they want you to believe that? Why is it that the media wants you to believe that? Look at the headlines. Look how they talk about the evil corporations, the evil people with money, the evil all of this. 
There's no wonder that all of us have to struggle with the idea of basically accumulating wealth. And then look, here, take it to the next level. And this is what, you know, Julie comes from a family of teachers, and we always talk about, like, her perspective growing up was completely different than mine. And, and we talk about, like, okay, why is it that financial health and wealth, Dave Ramsey type stuff, isn't taught starting in kindergarten? Why is that something that you're supposed to be teaching your kids at home? Why is it that they're learning all this social science crap and they're not actually learning the practical things and how to manage money? Why is that? Isn't that fascinating? So what is it about the modern educational system that de-emphasizes, if not just completely ignores, the idea of wealth accumulation? Why is that? I don't understand. I have news for you guys. It's not the way it exists in um, some of the uh, economies around the country or around the world. Other economies around the world, they do integrate that type of thinking and training because the wealth accumulation thoughts, guys, are what makes society work, are what provides jobs, are what provides stability. Rich people donate more money. Rich people provide more money to charities. Rich people are able to do things that the masses never can. Rich people pay virtually all the taxes in the world, in, the country, in our country especially. These are the facts. Most rich people are first-generation millionaires, you know, if you consider someone less than 5 million rich, which most people do. Most of the folks in the country right now that are driving the Bentleys, that have the big houses, they did it first generation. They weren't given it. They weren't given advantages. They didn't have a golden ticket from Willy Wonka. Okay? They, all those you know, beliefs about people having an unfair advantage, maybe they had some advantages. Maybe they had you know, whatever. But it doesn't matter. For the most part, persistence always is going to win. But you have to start with your mindset about wealth accumulation. Because ultimately, if you believe, if you truly believe, and this is going to be an introspective question I want all of you guys to have as your homework. If you truly believe that in any way rich people are evil, oh, I don't believe that. I know what you're all thinking. You're saying it, aren't you? I don't believe that, but you do. How do I know you do? Because look at how you behave. Okay, if you didn't believe that rich people were having money was bad, why don't you have more of it? Why aren't you, why don't you have a million dollars in the bank? Why is it that you haven't embraced the idea of basically being of service to other people? Because somewhere deeply rooted in your own software is the belief that that is evil. At some level, differing percentages for all of us. You need to root that shit out because it's going to hold you back. Listen, guys, we went a little over on today's podcast. This motivation stuff, you see our approach to it? See how it's completely different than jumping around and acting like uh, you're you know, a Tony Robbins type? You see how what we're doing is actually bringing you guys practical, tactical information that's designed to just basically uh, essentially change your programming, shift, pivot how you exist on this planet with other people? If there's anything we can do for you guys, please email me directly at tim at timandjulieharris.com or julie at timandjulieharris.com. And remember, guys, it's not too late for you to request your free coaching call. Go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, and when you do, we're going to give you six of our free books. Hopefully you guys like this stuff. Hopefully it's causing you to be a little discomfort, uh, uncomfortable. Be uncomfortable. You're trying too hard to be comfortable. Be uncomfortable because on the other side of the uncomfort is the growth. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.